Hi, I'm LaDonna Humphrey. And I'm Alicia Lockhart. Welcome to Deep Dark Secrets, the podcast that shines a light in dark places. Shout out to our newest light keeper, Jessica P. Jessica, your profile pic is very pretty. Is that creepy? Because if it is, then I guess I'm creepy. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon and supporting us. We love you big. Last week, we began a long, terrifying tale of some cannibal kidnappers. And that tale was really centered around Gilberto Valley, who is the cannibal cop. People have nicknamed him that. And we were talking about his conviction for conspiracy to kidnap based on conversations that he was having on a death fetish forum called Dark Fetish Net. If you didn't catch that episode, you'll definitely want to go back and give it a listen before proceeding with this episode. But for the rest of you, hello. I'm so excited that we get to tell more of the story today. So I'm just going to dive right in. Gilberto, a.k.a. Girl Meat Hunter, we know, was super close with another user who was named Meat Market Man. And he was also plotting murder with about 20 other users. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just still, it blows my mind, Alicia, that he was sitting around on the internet and plotting to murder and eat people. It's pretty mind-blowing. When Gilberto's wife, Kathleen, discovered this from going through his computer, she, of course, reported it to the FBI right away. She was terrified upon finding these plans to kidnap, murder, and eat various young women, including her. And thankfully, the FBI took her very serious, and they launched into a full-on investigation on Gilberto and all of his little friends on Dark Fetish Net. And their research and their sting operations on that website actually resulted in multiple arrests. Yeah. (laughs) I see you cheering over there. I am too. And the FBI was, of course, very interested to learn more about Meat Market Man, the guy who Gilberto had been planning very seriously with. They had been plotting together to murder several different American women, and Meat Market Man was quoted as saying that he loved roasting whole pelvises using a good quality olive oil. I'm just like shaking my head right now. So gross. That is disgusting. And really, actually, I'm really horrified by that, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it's just, uh, I feel like I say that all the time, but it blows my mind. It's disgusting. I can't, I can't even. (laughs) You know what I think we need for these episodes? I don't know. It just dawned on me. You know how uh, the airlines have those little bags, those little, that you could throw up in if you get air sick? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think we need that for these episodes. Hyperventilating throw up bag. Yes, I would take one for sure, especially when the episodes are cannibalism episodes. Meat Market Man expressed that he had a longing to eat a woman for Thanksgiving dinner instead of a turkey. Oh, that's sad. And since we just wrapped up the Thanksgiving holiday, I just have to admit, I thought about this episode some. I thought about these conversations that they had and there would be victims and it just it made me sad and sick and 
even more determined to expose the fetishers, I think. Yeah, same. I was thinking about this all of Thanksgiving and I actually had seen some really, really brutal PETA ads that had turkeys talking about eating their family members. And I was like, wow, this really looks like something out of dark fetish net. (laughs) (laughs) You sent me one of those. And I, I, again, I'm not making fun. I think this is terrible, terrible stuff, but it really did seem to describe the cannibal cop to me. And I um, actually showed it to my husband. He just shook his head. Yeah, that's been like, it's become our day to day now, but I want to go a little bit into Meat Market Man and give some information about him because we talked so much about Gilberto last episode and there's a lot to know about Meat Market Man. If you can imagine, you go into Dark Fetish Net and you look at Meat Market Man's profile and he actually had as his main profile photo, it was a picture of supermodel Naomi Campbell. And he also would sometimes use a different username. He called himself Moody Blues as well. He also went by Christopher Collins and Chris C. Not to be confused with Chris Corner, the death fetish producer that we talked to from Oregon. So yeah, it's I hope interesting. he's not a cannibal too. I mean, oh. I don't mean to interrupt, but you said that and I'm like, well, I'm glad when we talked to him that he wasn't a cannibal. I don't know. It's all bad, but. Yeah, Yeah. there are levels of messed up and I feel like personally, I rank the cannibalism death fetish people as a whole different level. Yeah, I do too. That's at the very top, very top. All right, I'm sorry. Go (laughs) ahead. Proceed, please. Yeah, the NYPD and the FBI, they were both looking into this meat market man and they were reviewing the chats between meat market man and Gilberto and they were just horrified to discover that meat market man had claimed to already have eaten two victims. Uh, His victims were, well, he said they were a 39-year-old woman. He was calling her a Kenyan student. And then he also said that he ate a five-year-old child, a young Chinese girl. He would send photographs of both of them to Gilberto. And they would- Well, I have to ask- did they ever identify if there was anybody missing or murdered that met those descriptions or do we know? So from the research that I've done, it does not appear that they were able to identify those people as actual victims, but they were certainly looking because they were very concerned that he could have been telling the truth about that. In addition to talking to Gilberto, he was also just an avid poster and chatter on Dark Fetish Net. And he would talk to people at great length about how much more tender meat is when it's from children. And he would talk about how sexually gratifying cannibalism is for him in general. So the federal agents took this very seriously and they had to review hundreds of emails between the two of them because they were just so worried about these two women that he had said he had already eaten. And We, LaDonna and I, were able to dig up some of the transcripts from the conversations between Girl Meat Hunter, which is Gilberto, and Meat Market Man. And so we're going to read them because we want everybody to be able to hear for themselves what these men were saying back and forth. So, LaDonna, will you do the honors and go ahead and start out as a Meat Market Man or Chris C, as he referred to himself sometimes? 
Oh, yes. And you're going to be the cannibal cop, right? Yep. I'll be cannibal All right. cop. All right. Here we go. How big is your oven? It's big enough to fit one of these girls if I fold their legs. The abduction will have to be flawless, though. I know all of them. Victim one. I can just show up at her home unannounced. I won't alert her. We can knock her out, and we'll just wait until dark and kidnap her right from her home. You would really be better to grab a stranger. The first thing the police force will do is check out a friend. Uh, Her family's out of state, though. Don't worry. I have anesthetic gases. Well, I can make chloroform here. Now, here's an excerpt of a different conversation. It's really hard to dislocate a jaw. Also, how would we put her over the fire? Spitting kills the girls. Have to put her into a cage of some sort. Hey, what's your favorite cut of meat? I was thinking of tying her body onto some kind of apparatus. Cook her over a low heat. Let's keep her alive as long as possible. Here's yet another excerpt. I love that she's asleep right now. She doesn't have the slightest clue of what we've planned. Her days are numbered. I'm so glad you're on board. She does look tasty, doesn't she? You do know if we don't waste any of her, that's nearly 75 pounds of food there. Here is another excerpt. And also... About the price. Would you do a payment plan or full up front? Full payment, do it delivery. Just so you know, she might be knocked out when I get her to you. I just don't know how long the solvent I'm using is going to last, but I have to knock her out to get her out of that apartment safely. Here's another excerpt. It gets worse. I definitely want her. And how much again? I'm sorry to ask, but I don't remember. $5,000 and she's all yours. Can we do four? Hey, I'm putting my neck out on the line here. If something goes wrong somehow, I'm in deep. 5000 And you need to make sure that she's not found. She's definitely going to make the news. I cannot believe that he's trying to get a bargain with king women. It's so gross. Yeah, it's just, he's a cheap. So here's another excerpt. It's going to be so hard to restrain myself when I knock her out, but I am aspiring to be a professional kidnapper, and that's my business. But I'll really get off on knocking her out, tying up her hands and bare feet and gagging her. Then she's going to get stuffed into a large piece of luggage, wheeled out to my van. Just make sure she doesn't die before I get her. No need to worry. She'll be alive. It's just a short drive over to you. I think I would rather not get involved in the rape. You paid for her. She's all yours, and I don't want to be tempted the next time I abduct a girl. I understand. Also, is there anything I can trade you that might knock down the price just a bit? No, nothing at all. Like I said, this is very risky. It'll ruin my life if I'm caught. I really need the money. I can't take under $5,000. So this is just, I'm like beside myself here. I cannot believe that they go into the logistics, that they're like going back and forth about pricing. And, you know, this seems 
very, very real to me, these discussions. And I'm not surprised after seeing this, that the FBI couldn't turn away. They had to to go ahead and discover the true identity of Meat Market Man, and they sure did. His name is Dale Bollinger. He, at the time, was a 58-year-old British man who had dual American citizenship. I guess his father had served in the U.S. Air Force, and that's how he got dual citizenship. And he was working as a nurse at the QEQM hospital in Margate, and he was living in Canterbury. He was also married with three children. I'm shocked by this. I mean, truly, truly shocked. Yeah, that that these people i i I don't know alicia these are he's a nurse like he could have been taking care of anybody and they didn't know that he was a cannibal yeah he's a nurse a, a father a husband he'd been married for 35 years and had never once told his wife about any of these fantasies but he did talk a lot to the other users on dark fetish net and He would say that his fantasies started at about the age of six, which is like one of the earlier ages that I've heard of from all of our research. He said at age six, he was starting to fantasize about cannibalism, and he believes that his death fetish is a result of having a very domineering mother. Really? So that maybe sparked this hatred of women? Yeah, he comes out and says that he's blaming this on his mom. I'm sorry, buddy. It's not your mother's fault. Do you want to kidnap and eat people? No, not buying it. I mean, childhood trauma is definitely a catalyst for the way that some people turn out. But I really, it it just, it doesn't sit well with me to just go ahead and blame all of this on his mom. No, not at all. I mean, I just think that well, again, you did say, you know, rooted in trauma, there's still some responsibility that he needs to take because he was trying to act on these thoughts that he had instead of getting help. But that leads me into the next thing that I want to tell you about Dale is that his fetish wasn't a big enough secret. He actually had something that was even deeper and darker. And two years before the FBI discovered Dale's connection to the cannibal cop, Dale had actually attacked a woman. Oh, no. And believe it or not, it was a friend of his that he'd had for 17 years. Her name was Yerlene King. And Dale said that he and Yerlene went shopping together and bought some fish to cook for the two of them to eat at his home. Okay. They went back to his place. And as he washed his hands to prepare to cook, he suddenly had this idea. He decided to take some gauze and dry cleaning fluid and put it over her face as she sat in his lounge. I mean, instead of thinking about, I know, you know, I'm not thinking about cooking this fish with my friend. I'm thinking about, you know, attacking her. And he said, and I quote, I was intending to put it over her face. Why I was intending to put it over her face. I don't really remember. I was watching myself from above. I was not aware. I could not feel any emotion or anything. Was I living out one of these fantasies? No. Was it to kill her? No. Was it to rape her? No. Why I was doing it, I'm not too sure. I cannot really give an adequate answer. Whoa, that sounds like disassociation, like he's watching from above. Weird. Yeah, very weird. And they interviewed Yerlene at length, and she had this to say, I was sitting on the couch with my back to the door when he attacked me. I couldn't breathe, and I began to feel all giddy. I thought, he was trying to rape me. 
I finally broke free and said, what the f do you think you're doing? He staggered back and said, oh my God, what have I done? But he looked different. He was nothing like the Dale I knew. And I, you know, as we researched this and I read that a couple of times, I mean, that's scary. And we've, we've actually read that before. We've had other instances where fetisher said, I felt different. You know, I, I didn't look the same. And some of the people that survived their attacks have said that something came over them. It's almost undescribable, but they looked different. Super creepy to hear about somebody who knew him very well to say that he didn't look like himself or that he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, it's, it is, it's absolutely horrifying. So luckily she ran off. She of course feared for her life and Dale called her and begged her not to call the police. And Yerlene was, you know, eventually called by Rosemary, which is Dale's wife. You know, she called her up and Yerlene says that she decided not to report him simply as a kindness to Rosemary because she had begged her to stay quiet. Please don't tell on my husband. Please, please don't call the police. And eventually, as police did get involved and they went through Dale's computer, they found hundreds, hundreds of photos of Yerlene and conversations in Dark Fetish Net where Dale had been talking to other fetishers about desiring Yerlene's grandchildren. <gasps> no, that's disgusting. Yeah, that's that's stuff in nightmares right there. Yerlene was horrified to discover this. And a year before she was attacked, she says that Dale was left alone with her granddaughter and that he had bit the girl hard on her finger. I know. It's like, are you trying to eat her? Like, what was he doing? And he said he did it to teach her a lesson because she did it to him. But I can't get it out of my head, Yerlene said, that may, he may have been trying to eat her. He totally could have been. I think he was. He was sick. And we can't forget, he had told people that he already ate a five-year-old and that children tasted better. So you know that he was thinking about that when he was left alone with this grandchild. Well, it's scary. I have children. I'm not going to talk about their ages right now, but I have young children and I just can't imagine entrusting them, their care with someone that I thought was my friend and then finding out hey mom they bit my finger they might have wanted to eat me I mean that's it's really really scary stuff yeah having a grown-up bite a kid is weird enough on its own but like you said they've been friends for so many years like 17 years of course she she might have felt comfortable trusting him to just entertain her grandchild for a few minutes while she did something at the house that's really something that we all could do. And it just kind of goes to show that even people that you've had in your life for a really long time could be carrying around this sort of a, a dark fetish with them. And you need to be aware of who you're leaving your children with. There's, there's fetishers all over. Yeah. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I've said it in several episodes. You cannot tell who a fetisher is by looking at them. They look like an average Joe. It's not like you can see them and say, oh, that's a fetisher. And that should scare the hell out of all of us. They're everywhere. And actually, I feel like they're gaining in numbers. We always keep an eye on these fetish boards. But recently, we've been seeing more and more users pop up on the forums that say, hey, I heard about death fetish from a podcast and now I'm here to join you all because I've always felt this way and I didn't know these communities existed. And that's scary, too, to realize that 
we're putting this information out there, hoping to band together with communities and stop this. And we're actually leading some people straight to those scary websites. It's terrifying. Yeah, it really is. But uh, I think it's just an unfortunate reality. But I see it this way. Let's shake them all out right? As many as we can, because we're going to do everything that we can to shut down these sites in these type of things anyway. So let's, let's, let's make all the cockroaches scatter. Yeah. I guess at least we can see what they're planning and thinking if they're on those boards, but uh, anyways, though, the FBI was taking a closer look at Dale. Uh, They were really disturbed by what they had seen him saying to Gilberto. And they started looking at his activity in Dark Fetish Net, and they realized that he was actually chatting up somebody who said they were a 14-year-old girl, and he was getting ready to meet up with her. And he had promised that he was going to behead her before eating her, which is, again, beside myself, like, how are these conversations real? I still have trouble even believing that that somebody could say that to another person and that they would continue chatting together. But this username that was saying she was 14, her username was Eva Gonza. And he would talk to her and he was trying to get her to go along with this plan of his. And he said, the idea of us making love and then eating you is a very great turn on I've been called a very generous lover and I would be very generous to you before I prepped you for the table. Okay. I just want to point out here. If he knew that she was 14 or claiming to be 14, this also makes him a pedophile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he's not shy about admitting that because he's been all over the board saying you want to cook the children. They taste better. So it does not surprise me at all that there's a sexual component there with an underage person. So he's saying all this to her. And then he goes and he buys an axe with a three-foot handle from a store called Homebase. And he sends Eva a message that says, I've got the cleaver and the experience. You really want to do it? I would want to have your body afterwards for food. And oh. he sends her... A selfie with the axe and the caption underneath it says it's big enough and very sharp how wide is your neck then oh my gosh and for some reason this this eva gonza username is still on board and she makes plans to meet him at the ashford international rail station in kent the next day It was a day in September 2012, and not surprisingly, the 14-year-old girl was a no-show at the train station. (laughs) Thank God. But this is where Dale's luck runs out because the FBI has been monitoring him through these conversations, and when they find out that there was an in-person meetup and that Dale, he's saying through the messages he's giving confirmation that he did leave his house with the intention to go murder this girl and eat her that he showed up at the meeting the authorities felt like they had enough information to go ahead and make an arrest so they did arrest dale and they charged him with attempting to meet a child following sexual grooming i'm glad i mean that needed to happen 
Yeah. And once he was apprehended, Dale admitted that he did have a collection of images on his computer that they would find that were depicting young children in ovens being barbecued. And he admitted that not only was he publishing and sharing all this obscene material, but he was actually creating it, he told them. Wow. He was depraved. And the titles that he would post on these pictures. So he'd like, I guess this is what you'd call a manip. They refer, the death fetishers refer to these photographs where people Photoshop them into a death fetish pornography sort of imagery. So he's making these manips and he's calling them dinner the barbecue, barbecue two, barbecue three is making these grotesque images of children being barbecued to share with other death fetishers. You know, what strikes me too, before we move on is that, you know, we've talked before about how some of the other, some sites shut down when we first got involved in this investigation. And I have to wonder if some of this wasn't on these sites too, and that they Mm -hmm. wanted to hide that from us. It makes me go, hmm. We've always wondered what it is on those sites that shut down right away. They clearly had something they knew was not going to fly and they had to get rid of it really quickly. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. And in this scenario with Dale, the prosecutor that was involved, his name was Martin Yale. And he said that these images really pointed to Dale's sexual interest in cannibalism relating to children specifically. That's terrible. But I have good news. Dale was found guilty, thankfully, of arranging to meet a teenager that he groomed online. And they found him guilty just after three hours of deliberations. So that jury was like, you're going to the slammer, buddy. Pretty cut and dry. That's right. Um, He also pled guilty to making indecent pseudo photographs of children. The charge was possession of child abuse images. Hmm. And I'm glad they got him for that. And seven counts of publishing an obscene article. So that's interesting to me as we continue to do our due diligence and our fight, trying to put some teeth into some obscenity laws. I was glad to read that. So in all, he was charged with 11 total offenses. And the judge, Adele Williams, sentenced Dale to nine years in prison. And she described his behavior as shocking, repulsive, and dangerous. She went on to say directly to Dale, I can just envision this in my head, you know, her just looking straight at him and saying, you have demonstrated when giving evidence that you are an arrogant and manipulative man. You have shown no remorse and indeed cannot understand why anyone should find your behavior in any way abnormal or perverted, let alone criminal. I think that's interesting because she's pointing out something that you and I know very well. The fetishers don't think that any of this is wrong and fetishers if you're listening we've got a judge here who actually backs up what we're saying Mm -hmm. she did go on to say that you lack any insight into your behavior and you fail to understand that right-minded people will find your behavior shocking and repulsive and dangerous dangerous because by talking about these activities there is always the risk that your fantasies will tip over into actions So she's, you know, acknowledging that there's this fine line between fantasy and reality. Mm -hmm. You know, there was always the real danger that you would inflame or incite people with whom you were discussing these activities to move from fantasy to actions themselves. 
That is such an important statement because it is, there's this component about these death fetish forums where I I always say they're bolstering each other. You know, they're pushing, pushing, pushing each other. They're influencing each other to go more into this fantasy. And that can never be good. Well, I know they can't. And, you know, and and some of our biggest critics within the fetisher community, if you can call them critics, I I don't even know what to label them as. Their argument is, well, LaDonna and Alicia, they're not telling our side of the story. They're not talking about the psychological impact of our fetish. And we don't care about that. That's not what this podcast is about. We're talking about crimes that are being committed within the fetish or communities. And I think this is so important because this is actually our platform. This is what we've been saying all along, what this judge has said. So I just I, I just feel like I need to get on my little soapbox today. Yeah, and say, and- It's not the only judge that feels this way. As we roll out more and more episodes, we'll make sure to include quotes from other judges who are in different parts of the world. The one that's coming to mind right now is a judge in Canada during an obscenity case that we will cover pretty shortly. But there's judges all over the world in different countries who feel this way about it. And I think that's important to know. It is. I also think, too, it's important to note that in court, Dell claimed that he had never murdered or eaten anyone and that his online boasts were pure fantasy. Just like all the other fetishers say, everything is fantasy. When asked why he had bought the axe, you know, why'd you go purchase the axe, buddy? He told police it was to cut down two trees, adding there was a sale on. such a cheapskate no he really is when asked by the newspaper if he wanted to say he was sorry for his crimes in britain dale said this are you ready for it Mm -hmm. off and die what a classy gentleman yeah for sure there were other professionals involved in this and this shocks me the jury was told by a psychiatrist that dale had been assessed and that he was actually not suffering from any sort of mental illness. The psychiatrist made sure to point out that Dale was likely to continue having warped fantasies regardless of what his legal punishment would be. And I think that this assessment of him, the psychiatrist saying, no, he's not mentally ill at all. I think that probably comes from a place of that psychiatrist wanting him to be able to be sentenced properly. I think that there was a risk in saying that he was mentally ill. He might have escaped some punishment there. So I think that was probably the logic there behind that deeming. But it did really surprise me because I do feel fantasies like this do indicate some sort of mental illness. But understand why it was ruled that way in this legal setting yeah that makes sense to me i mean the way the case went and all of the horrors involved with the case i i could see their point in wanting it to go ahead and move forward and and dale serve some time because what he did was frightening yeah and so he did have to serve time he ended up serving three years of his sentence And he was actually released for good behavior in 2017. And on January 4th, 2018, Dale decided to go ahead and move to the United States. And he registered as a sex offender in Blair, Nebraska. That was going to be his new home. But after residents in Blair heard about him and his past, 
he actually was not able to live there. He was taken into custody at Washington County Jail on January 12th because some community members were really, really outraged about the idea of him being in their town. And so he was actually moved for his own safety because there had been so many threats made towards him from the community members of Blair. They were like, oh, uh uh-uh, not on our watch. This guy is not okay to live in our community. Well, I mean, good for them. I wouldn't want someone like that in my community. I have children. I know you have children. I, I can see the fear that this would incite. And I think it's interesting, but we get picked on for this activism, this advocacy work against the death fetish community. But really, I don't think that our feelings and our thoughts toward this are the minority. I think it's the majority. I think so too. And I think it's just a matter of people hearing about it and knowing about it. I do believe that just like the people in Blair, Nebraska, there's going to be a really strong response from the public about these things going on. So that's what happened to Dale. He had to be taken out of Blair, Nebraska. They actually transferred him to a sex offender treatment center called Norfolk Regional Center, and he was placed there in March 2018. He stayed there for a little while, but as of October 2021, Dale has actually been traced to Lincoln, Nebraska, and he's living in a property that's said to be just yards away from a playground. What? Yeah, that's that's what the latest report of his whereabouts have said. And that's really concerning if it's true. Very concerning because he should not be around small children. And it makes me wonder, too. I wonder if he's still on dark fetish net. As that psychiatrist had said, this isn't a fantasy that's just going to go away for people. It's a lifelong way of thinking that these fetishers have. And I would highly suspect that he is every bit as active on dark fetish net, perhaps just under some different usernames. He can't be Christopher Collins or Moody Blues or Meat Market Man anymore. We all know who he is. So he's probably picked out some other username and that is terrifying. It is. It really, really is. But You know, I guess we can hope that our work, this area will maybe eventually lead to places like dark fetish net being eradicated from the internet. It's interesting to realize that the FBI knows about this website and they have used it, have sting operations. So it's possible that they're keeping this one open for, for that purpose to be able to catch these guys before they really harm somebody. I bet that you're right. I mean, it's a playground for wannabe serial killers and some of them that actually act on it. So I think it's probably smart for them to monitor the website so they can try to find some of these guys who would otherwise be just flying under the radar. So I'm glad they're doing it, but I still think that we need to put all of our efforts into getting these kind of things shut down. And with that said, I want the listeners to understand that this is a very serious, sensitive topic that we've discussed today. And I want you to think about your own communities and maybe even think about how you can get involved and join our fight. 
against the death fetish community. So I want to thank everybody for listening today. We hope that you're going to join us next week. We're going to have part three, believe it or not, there's a part three, and we're going to discuss two other dark fetish net users who had ties to the cannibal cop, and they were also arrested for crimes committed within the death fetish community. We'll catch you all next week for that shocking conclusion to this story. There's so much more cannibal drama going on, and thankfully, some more convictions. In the meantime, though, if you have a deep, dark secret in your community that you'd like to expose, send us an email at deepdarksecretspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll go ahead and do the dirty work and expose the secret for you. Stay safe, everyone, and remember, always keep your lights on. For exclusive content from this episode and all other episodes, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash deep dark secrets. Sign up and you'll be able to see some visuals that accompany each episode.